0: Thanks, Mike, very much. You might have noticed I've started to unbutton my shirt. If you're listening to this on the recording, you're now very intrigued, but I am wearing a T-shirt underneath, but all will be revealed in a moment or two. Let me just pray for us uh, as we begin. Lord, uh, we just pray that by your Holy Spirit uh, that this passage talks about, you would uh, fill us, um, that you would teach us about you. And that you would help us understand what it means to be human. Amen. This morning, I'd like to reveal to you my uh, hidden identity. Um, A lot of you don't realize this, but I am, in fact, Kung Fu Panda. Um, Now, I'm hoping that at least a few of you have kids of the right age to know about Kung Fu Panda. In fact, you don't need kids. Uh, I'm a massive fan. Of, he's a huge inspiration. It's a the, it's the story about an, an overweight, unimpressive idiot uh, who ends up saving the valley. Um, um, and quite early in the story, there he is, <clears throat> center stage, you can see the likeness. Um, uh, early on in the story, he, uh, through some twist of fate, ends up becoming the dragon warrior who uh, prophets have foretold will... Uh, will save the valley from Tai Lung, who is, at that moment, inbound, the great evil uh, panther or something that he is, obviously with an English accent. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and, but he's, he doesn't know anything about kung fu. Uh, he's just some guy that works in a noodle bar, um, and he loves kung fu, but he's absolutely terrible at it. Um, He is then, of course, for most of the film, in this sense of fear and trepidation. How could I be the dragon warrior? How am I going to save the valley uh, from Tai Lung? Um, And uh, finally, of course, he does save the valley, um, and skadoosh is the word that he said. This is how much of a fan I am. I have a t-shirt about Kung Fu Panda. Um, Skadoosh is the thing he says as he does this very impressive advanced Kung Fu move. Uh, on Tai Lung, which is the thing that finally saves the valley. Why on earth am I talking about Kung Fu Panda? I think there's something of that fear and trepidation, that sense of complete unworthiness, complete lack of equipment um, that he experiences, that the church experiences at the beginning of the book of Acts. For those of you who have been with us for a while, you'll know that uh, before Easter, we were looking at the book of Luke, which is the prequel to the book of Acts. The book of Luke is the story of when Jesus was uh, here on earth, uh, right through until uh, he's taken up into heaven. And then the book of Acts takes on the story of the early church as they come to terms with what it means to follow Christ, this risen and ascended king. And at the very beginning of uh, Acts, Luke starts his letter by saying... Um, in my former book, i.e., the book of Luke, um, Theophilus, I wrote about everything that God began, that Jesus began to do and to teach before he was taken up. In other words, the story is only just beginning. beginning. In Acts, it's about what Jesus continues to do, not in bodily form, but through the bodies um, of his followers, the church. Um, we see the sense of the very beginning of Acts of a a commissioning of the church. Uh, When when the disciples ask him in chapter 1, when are you going to make it all come true, Jesus? He says, it's not for you to know the timing, but you will be my witnesses. You will be the ones that are my heralds to take this message, this gospel, this good news out across the world. Um, And then he's taken up into heaven. And this bunch of simple, not terribly well-educated, uh, timid disciples find themselves sat in a room going, well, now what do we do? We've got this massive uh, commission. on earth is going to happen now. Um, and of course, this is the moment in Acts chapter 2 when that sense of, uh, empowering for all that, that, that lies ahead uh, comes, uh, it, it, you know, become, is laid bare. The Holy Spirit comes and there is this obvious sense of power and equipping uh, in the passage, that roar of the wind, the fire um, uh, and, and so on. <clears throat> um, and you see this almost instant transformation of the disciples from a group of timid, not really sure what's going on folk into this this articulate, courageous group that will indeed go and transform the world. Whatever you think about the Christian faith, um, what these people did has made a massive mark on the whole world. Um, But of course, it is not... That just about how they become something special. It's not that they had some hidden promise that needed to be trained up, which is of course what happens in Kung Fu Panda, if you know the story, which I'm sure you will do. Uh It's more that it was the Holy Spirit in them that empowered them and equipped them for all that lay ahead. The Holy Spirit empowers and transforms our lips, our lives, The Holy Spirit gives us our part to play in God's big plan, uh, that plan of building a new people under King Jesus. Um, And that's the story that begins at Pentecost. Um, And I think there are four elements to this commissioning uh, here, which I just want to touch on quickly. I I think that in the Holy Spirit, we are given uh, a new vision, we are given new power, uh, we're given a new identity, and we're given. Uh, uh, a new master. Let's just start with just the the vision one, Ali, if that's all right. Um, I'm going to get technical for a moment or two, so if that really fills you with horror, this is your moment to check your email or uh, whatever else you want to do. Um, There are three Jewish festivals that the people in Jerusalem celebrated. um, And all three of them were to remember the Exodus story. This is the story right back at the beginning of the story of the people of Israel, where God saves the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and uh, adopts them as his own and commissions them to be his people and a conduit of his blessing to the whole world. They're given these three festivals uh, to remind them of that, uh, that story. And they're all tied to moments in the agricultural calendar. They're, a, they're, a, they're an agricultural people, so it kind of makes sense. Um, at different moments of the harvest. So the first one is the Passover, the festival of the Passover. Um, and that happens uh, in spring, which is when they, would have, uh, they were, that's when they would have harvested the winter barley. So it would be the beginning of the, sort of the first thing that might, would have been harvested. Um, and, of course, the church has co-opted that uh, as, as Easter, effectively. Easter is when we recognize that Jesus is the Passover lamb who was sacrificed on behalf of his people. Uh, we can talk about that uh, afterwards if, you, if you'd like to. So that's Passover. The second of these festivals was Pentecost. Now, of course, we, when we think of Pentecost, we think of this story. But of course, Pentecost as a thing already existed, it was, it was a harvest festival. Um, and it was the second of these three harvest festivals. And it was the festival that happened when the wheat was first starting to be gathered in. It was the festival that thanked God for the start of the harvest and prayed that it would be a good harvest all the way through. Again, remembering the Exodus and God's provision um, and adoption of them. So that's Pentecost. Passover, Pentecost, and then the third one is the the Festival of Tabernacles. Um, Now, the Festival of Tabernacles doesn't get co-opted by uh, the church as such, but I think that uh, it sits there, actually, um, in evidence that it it is going to be co-opted. Now, the Tabernacles Festival happened at the very end of the harvest. It would be a bit like our harvest festival once everything had been gathered in, there was the festival of tabernacles. And the language of harvest, a sort of final harvest, is very common language in the Bible about God's return. There will be a day when God returns and purifies uh, this world, um, restores it the way it was uh, to be. Um, and part of that harvest is those who want to belong to him, want to belong to that new kingdom. Um, So implicit in all of this language is the idea that the tabernacles will be fulfilled in the second coming of Jesus. Um, Okay, that's that's the end of the technical stuff. Um, uh, The point with all of that uh, is simply this, that in the moment of Pentecost, there is this sense of the first fruits of the harvest that is to come, that the Holy Spirit coming, is that first fruit, that foretaste of, all, of, of, the, of, the, of the full presence of God, the full restoration of all things that will happen one day. And that means that we have entered into this season of harvest. Um, and we uh, get to have that as our vision, that sense that everything is building towards this final harvest uh, uh, when God will restore all things uh, and we are invited to be part of that. And that's a little bit of what's talked about in that um, first big quote from Joel, verses 17 and onwards, which I won't uh, read at this point. Here's the, uh, the second thing that I, I mentioned, that uh, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit gives us power. As I said, this is the, the skadoosh moment. This is when... Uh, when we are given what we need to be the heralds. Now, I couldn't find a picture of, the, the suitable picture on the internet, so I just thought I'd take one of myself <laughs> with my shirt off, and uh, so there you go. Yep. <laughs> we are empowered to be Uh, God's heralds. That's the essence of what it it means. We are transformed. Our lips and our lives are transformed to be the presence of Christ in this world. Um, The whole book of Luke, in some ways, tells us two things. It tells us who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. The book of Acts is built on that. It's built on the fact that Jesus is our king and that it is him that we want to be like. And that it's because of his death and resurrection that we get to be part of his new world. The book of Acts is built on the book of Luke. And this is the moment when that we are empowered to be all of that. And notice the essence, the first thing that they are empowered to do, is this extraordinary uh, phenomenon of, of them talking in all sorts of languages from around the world. Now, if you remember right the way way back at the beginning of the Bible, there's a story called about the Tower of Babel. Um, this is when language as a thing gets introduced within the sort of the, the sort of mythological prehistory of the people of Israel um, that there is this story of how as as the world starts to become corrupted um, as our relationship with God gets fractured that's and death enters the world, that seems to sort of land in that sort of what you might call the prehistory section, in the breaking up of everyone's language, this image of division between people. Um, The next chapter after Babel, um, you have the story of Abraham being commissioned to be the conduit, him and his people, to be the conduit of God's blessing to the whole world. And that's a commission that is, in some ways, held back by all these. this language barrier. There's all sorts of barriers uh, around the world. Um, And it is at this point when that commission really comes to its fore. God undoes the Tower of Babel. God enables us all to speak one language, in a sense. It is this image of uh, the blessing uh, of, of God overflowing Uh, to people of all nations uh, around the world. And again, that's something that is picked up in the Joel prophecy, um, verses 17 um, and onwards, um, uh, where, where we see how the Holy Spirit, which in the Old Testament was something that was given to some kings, some prophets, some priests, and that was it, is now suddenly poured out on all of those who belong to Christ, who follow him. even on It is even available to those who have rejected Jesus, even those who in fact crucified him. You see that towards the end of our story, verse 37. Um, when the people realize what they've done by crucifying Christ, they are still offered uh, inclusion into all of God's plans. Repent and be baptized, and you too will have the Holy Spirit. And of course, it is that uh, that also uh, is tied up into the, in the idea of baptism, which we, we've been celebrating this morning, which we will come to um, in a moment. Well, that brings us on to the third of our four parts of the commissioning, and that is this sense of new identity. That's a, does anyone know what that is? Come on, you have gotta be, if you're a local rugby playing, thank you, it's Harlequin's shirt. Um, I didn't, didn't know what else to put up there. Anyway, okay, I'm gonna get technical for a moment again. I'm gonna go back to this idea of the three festivals. So again, back to your email if you so desire. Um, those three festivals um, of the Jewish people gain different significances. The Passover, the first one, Obviously, celebrated the Passover moment, which is—I'm not going to go into the details at this point—right in the the, the the moment of deliverance of God's people out of Egypt and all the miracles and the Dead Sea the crossing through the water and all that kind of stuff. Pentecost came to celebrate the moment when God gave His people the law, which sounds like an odd thing to celebrate, doesn't it? Um, but but the essence of what that law was—it was. It was that was their identity. This is the moment where God says, you're my people. This is what it looks like to be my people. In the New Testament, that's not what happens. Our Pentecost moment, instead of being about the law, is about the spirit. God gives us his spirit and says, this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. It is to be filled with my spirit. It is to be transformed in our lives and our lips into the people of Jesus, Uh, and to be his presence out in the world. And the idea of baptism is really that that sense of joining the people of God. People talk about this being a baptism. Jesus, when he is baptized, John says, you know, I baptize you with water. This is quite right back at the start of Luke when Jesus is baptized. And John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water. But one's coming... uh, who won't just baptize with water, he will baptize with the Spirit and with fire. Um, The filling of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives is that moment of joining the people of God, being given this new identity as part of his people. Finally, one more uh, for you. Uh, God gives us his vision uh, this new vision, this new power, this new identity. And finally, he gives us a new master, um, a new king. Now, uh, obviously, we already have King Jesus at this point. So it's, but but there's, a, there's a new way in which uh, Jesus becomes our king at this point. Or at least is shown to be our king. If you notice that, that as Peter start, starts to explain what's happened what is happening. It's all about Jesus. Um, as far as he's concerned, you look at what's happening, and it's obvious that Jesus must be the resurrected king of the universe, Messiah or Christ. simply means a particular king that the Israelites were waiting for that would restore all things. Um, I, uh, just from a time point of view, um, I'll let Mike sort of skip a little bit of, uh, of Peter's uh, sermon, but let me paraphrase it. He basically says this. In, in the Psalms, King David talks of being eternal um, and talks of being enthroned above everything, but but he, he wasn't, and he knew he wasn't. He was talking about one of his descendants, a great king to come, um, who would be genuinely uh, who would, last, who would live forever, and who would be enthroned above all things. David was talking about this king, this Messiah, um, and the fact that Jesus' that, that Jesus's followers have been filled with Jesus' spirit is evidence that Jesus is in fact that king. Um, you thought he was dead, you thought he had killed him off, but he has sent his spirit on his followers. This is evidence that he is alive. Um, That's the kind of basic argument that Peter is making. Um, There is that sense that as we grow in our faith and as the power of the Spirit at work in us is more evident, not necessarily in dramatic ways like it is here, but in that still quiet transformation into the character of Christ. It is him that is shown. It is him that is evidenced in our lives. Um, That is the transformation that we long for. Uh, We long to be transformed to be Christ to this world, to offer uh, his his saving message of good news, uh, to build a new people that will be included in this great harvest uh, that is to come. Again, that's jolly intimidating. That's a very, very big thing to be called to. But I remind you of skadoosh of Kung Fu Panda, the whole point is that yes, we are, in fact, completely ill-equipped in and of ourselves to do that. But God, by his spirit at work, uh, does that work in and through us. It is his power. It is his transformation. All who make Jesus their king are marked by being filled with his spirit by this ferocious power Um, even if it's less obvious than it is in this story. Each of us are offered uh, that vision of the restoration of all things, the final gathering in of the harvest. We are all offered power to be heralds of that kingdom. Uh, We are all given that identity in the Holy Spirit. Um, And we are all transformed bit by bit into the likeness of Jesus. So as you think about the week that lies ahead, think about the people you're going to interact with, what does it mean for you to be Christ? What does it mean for you to be part of uh, heralding the good news of Jesus' new kingdom? What does it mean for you uh, to be part of creating that wonderful harvest of a new people? who follow God. Lord God, we long uh, for that day when you will restore all things. We long for that day when you will one day make everything right. Um, And we thank you that you allow us to be part of that. You allow us to be part of that harvest. But also that you commission us uh, to be part of the process of gathering in that harvest. And I pray that you would set our sights on uh, that sense of of you drawing all things together that you give us the power to play our part that you would help us to understand our identity and that you would be evidenced in us as, uh, as your face becomes clearer and clearer by the work of your spirit transforming us for your glory we ask Amen.